Any Ebola around where you live? I don't think so. I think it's just uh, down there in Texas, isn't it? Yeah, remind me. I almost want to like make a fake comic character that's a black Hispanic gay transsexual with a with a cerebral palsy and see if uh, and, and see and call a token and see how much I can get away with. Too far? Oh, they do that all the time already. There are tons of characters where the the ethnic background is more important than the characterization. They didn't used to do that shit. Uh, I'm I'm struggling to to remember which character I'm thinking of, but there were characters that they'd introduce, and then like later you'd find oh you'd find out oh wait they're Jewish or something like that. Like it wasn't immediately put City out. Pride. Yeah, Fee Pride. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, they didn't come up until a uh, like a uh, Tomb of Dracula crossover. Where she tried to use a cross to stop Dracula, that didn't work, but the Star of David on her necklace did. <laughs> because in the Marvel Universe, it's not the symbology, it's what you believe in. Mm-hmm. I like the in-universe logic in that. <laughs> <laughs> because now you're thinking, I'm an atheist, so I could beat Dracula with my fists. Maybe like a Carl Sagan book or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be like, the power of Dawkins compels you. <laughs> the best scene that anyone ever did of in Ultimate X-Men was uh, Mr. Sinister had Charles Xavier captive and was like, had him in his wheelchair, rolling him down. He says, Charles Xavier, meet your meet your arch nemesis. Gravity. Stairs and tipped, and tipped him down the flight of stairs. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? The whole philosophy stage on YouTube is like a whole new stage for me to like mm-hmm. go into. I'm sort of moving away from the LPers and stuff because, you know, it's pretty much, you know, if I watch one LPer, then all of a sudden it puts PewDiePie all over my suggestion list. I've never had him in my suggestions. That's why I've, I had never heard of the guy before like a month ago. He's like the number one guy on YouTube. I know, but uh, he's just been below my radar the whole time. And now it's like everyone, every podcast I listen to, now they're all mentioning him. And I'm like, I'm like, how have people always been talking about him? And I just didn't notice. Yes. Like, even the even the even the boars mentioned him in his in that video. Hmm. Because the the boars mentioned how there's people always accuse him of copying. Yeah. And by the way, he explains it. So it's like, yes, he did copy, but no, it's not like he did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the boys did point out that before PewDiePie got big, James and Mike didn't really do Let's Plays. But after PewDiePie got big, then all of a sudden they're doing Let's Plays. Mm-hmm. And no one called them copiers. Well, to be fair, I mean, PewDiePie just sounds like an asshole. He's Mike, Swedish. Mike and James actually talk. I don't know, he still sounds like a... Maybe it's just a video I watched, but I swear he was just like talking like a baby. That's Swedish. You sound you sound like a baby if you're Swedish. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've heard Ingvay Malmsteen talk. He doesn't sound like that. <laughs> like I play the guitar. I am only your Spence. <laughs> but the, the thing is, this is 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 the the point that the the Boers was making was was LPing. 
was long around, but you know, you know, just like angry reviewing was around for a good six months before, you know, all these other people tried to cash in on it. But out of all everyone else who tried to cash in on it, it's like there was a laser focus on him as, oh, you're a copier, you're a bad person. I think what it was is it was like he was so specifically doing James's shtick, right down to shitload of fuck and like half a dozen other things. Of course, I had completely forgotten about the out nerd the nerd contest. Yeah. And, like, he made five videos in the span for that contest. And the thing is, someone at YouTube, before YouTube was bought by Google, put him as the favorite of the day. His 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 subscribe rate, like, quadrupled overnight. And he was stuck in a, in a position where, okay, now I'm really popular doing this shtick. Do I keep doing this shtick? Mm-hmm. And he chose yes. I mean, do you do what you keep what what you did to get on there, or do you or do you try to go? Okay, well, I'm not this guy. I'm I did this for a contest. Do you do, you do or do you do full, full disclosure? He probably should have done the full disclosure earlier. Yeah, he showed up. But I can understand why he didn't because he contacted James and and apparently James gave a really weird set of demands and Chris chose to sit sit on it. Yeah. Sit on the email for a week because he was like, "This is a really weird set of demands. I just want to think about this." And then I think it was, uh, is it Mike or Matt Matei? Mike. Then Mike Matei chose to publish the letter, which uh, okay, which was the whole, "Hey, look at look look at this dumbass. He admitted to ripping us off," kind of thing. And you know, I, I think that that was totally the wrong move. Yeah. On his part and. And, and that was the point where James could have stepped in and said, "Look, no hard feelings at all. You know, you know, this is the full conversation. You know, we shouldn't have published this. Uh, I'm going to talk to uh, to to Matt about it and get get this straightened out. And you know, no hard feelings, Chris, et cetera, et cetera. Versus, you know, like silently, you know, condoning it." Mm-hmm. And then going on to, you know, make jokes about it at conventions. You know, I'm, I'm not saying James is a terrible person because I don't think he is. No. I, did, I think he sort of just got caught up in the whole fever of it because, you know, his buddy was sort of like egging it on. And he decided, you know, to, to not squash the bug of it. And uh, it perpetuated the seven years of this guy getting shit. Mm-hmm. So... Like I said, I, 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 my, my, chin, my opinion of the Boars has completely changed, and I'm glad he stopped doing the, the shtick, and I'm glad he sort of found his own voice doing his own thing, and, you know, much success to him, right? Yeah. Except now, what, what's he doing, like, ghost hunting shit? Uh, he's, he's also, like, doing, like, regular game reviews without a character. Oh, okay. So... So he he's like doing like regular stuff. So he's not relying on a character to do stuff. So it's sort of like sort of nice to sort of nice to have that sort of break out of it, you know? Right. And uh, sort of nice to have Archfiend sort of drop it too, because it's right. sort of like it's because Archfiend was one of the first voices against him. Right. It's just it's just sort of like 
a good sense of passage of time, you know? Right. Come check out Comic Connoisseurs. Every week, we take a look at the comics that come out and have a roundtable discussion about an awesome comic topic. Want to join in on the fun? Tell us and you can be on the show. Check us out on iTunes and ComicConnoisseurs.com. It's action. It's drama. It's comedy. It's DeCian, the superhero webcomic. DeCian's got superhero antics and sexy girls. Read it now at DeCian.com. D-A-S-I-E-N.com. Hello and welcome to Ante, a Mason aficionados. Tonight we're talking about the actual final death of the Saturday morning block. Of course, I'm my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. <laughs> you better reverse that. Oh, it will be reversed. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. But, uh, like I said, this is... This Saturday, something happened. Something that hasn't happened for over 50 years. We had a Saturday morning where all the all the major and minor networks on air television did not air a Saturday morning cartoon block. Oh, does that include Cartoon Network? I don't know if Cartoon Network has cartoons anymore. Uh... But that's not including Cartoon Network. That's including like the big the big networks that air on regular television that aren't cable networks. Yeah. And the, I understand the last holdout was uh, Kids WB or CW. CW, yeah. It wasn't. It hasn't been Kids WB for 15 years now. Probably showing why Saturday morning died because I didn't even know what their what their weekend block was. Pretty much Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh... GM, DX, XP, Vista, Elemental P. <laughs> But it's it actually is dead now. It's uh, it is an X block. The block has expired. It's for the fjords. But uh, wow, fifty years, Neil. Yeah, I've I've never known a time that where there weren't Saturday morning cartoons until today. Sort of makes you sad and reminisce. I remember back in the day, I'd I'd have a I had my uh, video you know vcr set to record the first couple hours of the block just in case i wanted to sleep in mm-hmm. on the kids wb no less wow well what, okay. I, what i used to do was i would i would look at the tv schedule i would plan out the entire morning or I'd be like, okay I'd, I'd start on this network and jump over here and then jump over there and anything else that i wanted to see i would set the vcr to record absolutely and to to me, I stuck with Kids W because that one aired Batman and Superman and pr- pretty much anything else that I liked. Because pretty much everything else that aired, you know, it was it was always uh, the WB thirty three, and uh, there was a syndicated network that uh, showed like all like uh, this this other block. I think it was like the Fox block or something. It was Channel twenty seven aired the Fox block. Which was all these other cartoons that uh, Warner Brothers didn't own. Like, uh, I think it was like Digimon and. Oh, God. <laughs> Showing my age, yes, I know. <laughs> and uh, ABC had their Saturday morning uh, block that they called One Saturday Morning. Which was all Disney. That, yes. And I don't think I ever really touched that. Yeah, once once ABC went Disney, you know. Uh, that's the funny thing is that before that ABC was Warner Brothers, and so you would get 
uh, the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show taking up like an hour to an hour and a half. And they'd have a lot of Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And God, you know, for a while, every single channel had Hanna-Barbera cartoons. It was basically Hanna-Barbera and Ruby Spears uh, competing with themselves for five hours. But I loved, I loved the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show because that was one of the blocks that I had to watch because it was one hour of classic mm-hmm. Bugs Bunny and Tweety cartoons. I mean, it was glorious. And uh, the thing is, the original animation that they used for the opening was so good that all they did was just – they just did some work to touch up the original costumes that Daffy and Bugs were in to be tuxedos by the time it reached my era. Yeah, and they – I remember they – they took a character out, didn't they? Yeah, they uh, they 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 took one of the characters out and replaced them with another. I mean, it's we'd have to watch them back to back to see which one it was. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it was Speedy because like Speedy became controversial for some reason. Yeah, and <laughs> angry letters. The funny thing is uh, the the original the original uh, the original animation. What was Chuck Jones' animation? Wasn't it the the you know? I thought it was Frizz because. Frizz, no, you're been? right. It is Frizz. It is Frizz Freelance. Yeah, he would have been the one and doing the, all that in those days. Because it was it was this really really well done animation. The uh, the timing on the singing was really well done. And the sad thing is is that animation held up for a good like what 20 30 years for the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show because it was originally for the Bugs Bunny show and then the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. You know the opening. You know. It still holds up. And then. You know, in the last couple of years of that show running, they did a travesty. They replaced the animation of the opening mm-hmm. with "quote unquote" modern Warner Brothers animation. Yeah, which did not look anywhere near as good. I mean, the thing is, they technically when they they put the tuxedos on them, they just took the Fritz Freeling animation, and just sort of touched it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, but they it still had traced it. But it was still his animation. Right. Through and through, but uh, but when they actually redrew it completely, it was uh, it's like all the charm went away. And, and the thing that I never got was why they call it the uh, you know why do they call it the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show? Because Tweety was the most popular character around that point, or something. I don't know that Bu- the Tweety was ever the most popular character. I, know. I mean, it was funny, but it was kind of like a it was kind of like a step down from Tom and Jerry almost. Yeah. Except you had Granny instead of Mammy Two Shoes. <laughs> like I said, it just you know, comparing the intros, it just makes it very obvious that it's just not anywhere near as exciting. Yeah. I mean, it almost looks plasticky, you know, or very rubbery. It's 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 it it just doesn't feel right. It's but, it's uh, kind of weird hearing Mel Blanc's voice come from those characters because that's like. That almost looks like back in action bugs. I know. And the thing is, you know, there's they're, they're obviously still using Fritz's animation as a reference, but they aren't tracing it, so there's still some odd timing things with it. Yeah, when they all walk across the stage, there there isn't a bounce to their walk like there is in the Frizz uh, animation. Yeah, it's it it just doesn't feel the same. It it. I mean, it's in Yosemite. Sam looks really off model. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's who they put back in. They they put they put the Porky back in when they redid it in the eighties. Ah, oh, okay. They they took out like 
they took out one of the other characters to put Porky back in mm. because Porky had a different walk in the in the 80s version. But the uh, other things I remember was, um, you know, Winnie the Pooh was on the ABC block for a while, too. Right. Before, like, there was a point before Winnie the Pooh was, like, bought by Disney and Disney truly owned them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like Disney had some sort of right to it, but Disney didn't outright own Winnie the Pooh for a while. And then stuff happened, and... I don't know. I think I think this is a shame that Saturday morning the event is gone because all of a sudden with uh, everything being available through digital media, it's like you can get what cartoon you want whenever you want. So yeah, that's the real culprit here. And I don't, I don't mean to completely lament it just because you know that's it's obviously what we want because we use that stuff. So it's not like darn you Hulu for ruining my Saturday morning while I'm watching Hulu for Netflix. <laughs> So it's not like we're total ingrates here. We understand why this happened. It's just kind of like we're always going to be sad when some part of our childhood dies. And then again, Saturday morning has been dying for a long time. Yeah. Like I said, we know, we know it's the buggy whip. Yeah. When NBC pulled their entire lineup, God, what was it, like 20 years ago? That was a sad day. Mm. Of course, I was really angry about that because I could see Saved by the Bell and like the sports programming encroaching in on, on the time. I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting really tired of the cartoons ending at 10 a.m. But, Neil, it's all right. Because you're saved by the... No. <laughs> no. And it wasn't even good. You know, that's the other thing, is that I can understand Hulu and Netflix killing Saturday morning, but I really did not like the teen programming. Especially since I was a teen at the time. I'm like, this is not what I want to watch. <laughs> yep. You didn't, you didn't like the... the uh... The uh, Memphis uh, Milano art style. That's the, by the way, that's the name of the art style that was used in the backgrounds of Saved by the Bell. Like, uh, what happened was a bunch of artists were like uh, locked in a room in Milan and they uh, sort of came up with this art style because they were locked in a room. So, don't lock artists in rooms. They'll come up with really bad 80s art styles. Yeah, not specifically for this show, just in general, because that was an art style that was all over the place in the 80s. And it was yeah. already passe by the time Saved by the Bell came along. I, I think also, you know, in the 90s at least, there was like some sort of a split between, you know, the after the afternoon cartoons and the and the weekend cartoons. Because there were some cartoons that aired in the afternoon but never aired on the weekend. Yeah, uh, Transformers, at least around here, never aired on Saturday morning. I've heard some people say that it was, but not here. Um, yes, uh Afternoon syndication, weekday syndication, kind of came along in the very early 80s. And then less than a decade later, you started having uh, original programming on cable networks, which was Nickelodeon and eventually Cartoon Network. So Saturday morning was kind of getting it from all sides. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, my sister, as you know, watched uh, watched Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. And Sailor Moon was a, was a weekend week was a weekday morning syndicated cartoon in our in our area like a 6 a.m show well it never aired on the weekend in in the in the syndicated block so so some people you know watch their shows all through the week and you know by saturday they just slept in because the shows they were interested in aired all through the week 
I mean, some some shows try to run double duty, but the thing is, it you know it got really hard. Mm-hmm. I, I remember Gargoyles for a while tried to run double duty, but it didn't work, and uh, because that was back before it was part of Disney Afternoon. It was just Gargoyles was its own show that aired in its own block, right? And it never worked. That you know, well, Gargoyles always had a weird time slotting issue, but that's another story that we already told in our Gargoyles episode. You can check out in the archive. And another culprit was the FCC regulation that was to uh, have every station, every uh, broadcast station, I should say, uh, air three hours of educational television for children every week. And that that is the one I have the most contempt for because uh, that's the one where pretty much if they were going to air anything, it was going to be on Saturday morning. So that started encroaching in on the good cartoons. And it also killed Bozo. That's that's like that's why I'm really not happy with the FCC these days because <laughs> WGN was just like, well, what are we going to do for education? Bozo. And then like I maybe two or three seasons later, he was gone. Yeah, that's always unfortunate, unfair. I mean, it's it's such a weird thing now because now we have all these uh, like sub networks that are like. Dot five or dot six or dot seven, like twenty seven dot seven, twenty seven dot eight, twenty eight seven dot nine. You know, the cartoons are gone, but now you have all this other shows. I mean, it's like now I can like turn on a TV, cut, change a couple of channels, go into the sub channels, and all of a sudden I can watch The Rifleman, Dragnet, Classic Hawaii Five O, and all this other shit that that you know five you know five or six years ago that you know when this when you know the digital thing was just starting, they they didn't have all these sub networks that are, is it, they're airing all this old stuff. Yeah, that it's was like, that was something that kind of went away around the same time that cartoon that the uh, cartoon block started to go away. It was the the old old television uh, shows like uh, Dragnet and Get Smart and all those shows. And now, thank God, we have my was it my network TV that shows those now. Yeah. yeah. Me TV and yeah, Antenna it, TV and yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Whereas it used to be Nick at Night. I don't know what the hell Nick at Night shows anymore. Apparently not that. Teen shows. I mean, I remember when Nick at Night was Mr. Ed. Heck, and Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, heck, uh, I think Nickelodeon even showed Mr. Ed because that was like their <laughs> that was like the one show they showed the most. And I remember, I remember the sad day where they were like, "Sad news, kids, <laughs> we're not going to show Mr. Ed anymore," and they showed like a marathon of it the end of it wow which just shows that those older shows just stood the ted at the time with you know really clever writing and really bad tin premises (laughs) (laughs) mr ed was it it almost had like an elf like premise where the horse wasn't wasn't hidden but you know the fact that he was intelligent was yeah and it's like all you needed was a budget to have like a horse on the set because you just put the guy talking in post or he's like right off camera. Uh, there was some good television. Yep. Like I said, I just think it's funny that nowadays, you know, turn on the TV, you can get the rifleman and it's like, oh, wow. But, uh, you know, change the channel, change the channel. You know, no more cartoons anymore. Yeah, that's really sad. Car- cartoons are gone. Cartoons are meant for the Internet now. <laughs> Yeah, and you could turn on Boomerang and get like a weird sort of echo of what it used to be like. And it's 
that for me is weird because you know you used to think of like all these cartoons being segregated segregated between cbs nbc and abc and yet they're all shown together on this one network and you can kind of see that they're they were really always the same studio being yeah. Hanna barbera so like there was there's not any differentiation anymore between the smurfs and scooby-doo it's it's very strange but at the same time it's kind of sad because i remember getting cable right when cartoon network was like at its golden age mm-hmm. when they ran classic warner Bros. cartoons as a programming block when they had tune heads yeah on at night oh, classic cartoon network is amazing when they had when they tune heads was amazing I mean, if we could ever get one of those guys on the show, I'd love to do that. But Toon Heads was amazing because here, here's a show for a guy like you and me, Neil, where they talk about, here's this cartoon, but let's talk about what happened behind the scenes with this cartoon. Right. It's like, wow. Yeah. I remember this really old Tex Avery cartoon. I don't know which studio he was with when he did it. I'm pretty sure it's a Tex Avery cartoon. Because there were, because just of the way the women were drawn in it, it was about this outlaw, the first outlaw back in like primordial prehistoric caveman Texas. I already know which one you're talking about. It's Tex Avery one, right? right? I knew it. I mean that that's another thing is that that show, along with the Tex Avery show and the uh, the uh, the Bob Clampett show and other shows of that like. That was amazing because they would show these cartoons from different studios, and they were like, I bet you didn't know that these cartoons, even though they were done in different studios, were done by the same guy. And that was always neat because that was just, like, mind-blown. Yes. <laughs> the guy who directed Daffy also did Droopy and Chili Willy. Yes. yes. Classic Chili Willy. Yes. Only that one, sadly. Chili Willy is one of these characters that's really weird because he actually has, like, two eras, and... It for and he wasn't in that many cartoons. That's the thing is for a character that's in relatively very few cartoons to have two eras is is strange. Right. I mean, it's uh, Daffy has two very well set eras, and uh, Bugs. I mean, Bugs has more eras than, yeah. than you know. Depending on the historian you talk to, has three eras or five eras. Oh, Bugs has a ton of eras. I mean. Depending on who you talk to. No, Bugs and Daffy both changed personalities a number of times. I, I didn't realize just how much it was until I rewatched some of the older cartoons recently. Uh, like he used, to, he used to be kind of dopey. I'm talking about Bugs. He used to be really dopey in some of the older cartoons. A and lot then, more laid back. A lot, no, he got laid back when uh, when Chuck Jones took over, and he became kind of an asshole when when uh, Bob when no when uh, Robert McKimson took over, and he was a real prankster when when Bob Clampett. Him. I mean, he had like five different personalities from five different directors. Ah, and, and like I said, this is the sort of thing that uh, that we're missing now. Is you know, obviously, you know, I, I have I have a lot of respect for Tune Heads, and I wish that you know a show like that could come back where kids could learn a lot more about our animation heritage and be like, wow, this is amazing that so much what happened behind the scenes and happened with these characters. I mean. But you know, ironically, it's, that is a, that is a triumph of the post Saturday morning era because that's something we never got in the Saturday morning uh, classic lineups. Because if if you even got the title card, sometimes you were lucky. They would they would come up with their own title cards for the Bugs and Tweety show, and yeah. you know the directors if their names were on it, they were in small print. 
And That's I remember the, the Tom and Jerry syndication package didn't even have title cards. The cartoons would just start. You wouldn't know who was doing them. I mean, you could tell the different eras apart, but you didn't know what they were. You didn't know it was Chuck Jones until like later when you could kind of piece it together from the animation style. Yeah. Well, the, the one weird thing was if you look at um, – oh, my God. Tom and Jerry went through more studios and directors than all these others combined. The only one that I knew right off the bat was Filmation. I'm like, this is a Filmation cartoon because this sucks. Oh god! Or they would do the same chase animation in every single episode. Come on! Which is sad because the original Tom and Jerry's were were like triumphs of uh, of the art form. Second only to Disney, for Christ's sake! I know. And then, yeah, Tom and Jerry went through a lot. I mean, there was, you know, the, there's the Hanna, Hanna Barbera. Not the hammer, no, not hammer bear. There was the, jeez, uh, you know, there was the MGM era. Yeah, which was even that was split into three parts. Yeah, you know, because you had the Gene you know, Deitch era. <laughs> in the Chuck Jones era, mm-hmm. technically Chuck Jones's studio. Yeah, because you know, the last few ones, I know he did not direct them. Yes, and. Lots of them went through some really went for some really weird sight gags that I didn't understand what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. Like there's this one where like Tom gets stuck in a tube and he his body turns like into a tube and it's like okay, cartoon logic. I, I I know, but even then that was a little bit much for me. You know, it was like I'm, I'm picky with my cartoons. Damn it, Neil. I I mean the thing is this is sometimes. Like on Saturday mornings, there would be a syndicated block where the syndicated station would pick up the the rights to air a cartoon that would be like a real gem. And you'd be like, "What is this? This is this is amazing." Because I remember when the Channel Twenty Seven picked up like the uh, the Fleischer Popeyes, right? And I was like, "This is amazing!" And then I was like, "This is racist." <laughs> In the episode where uh, Popeyes fighting the Indians and punches them and they turn into wooden oh, nickels. God. But the animation was amazing. Oh, old cartoons and their racial humor. Tom and Jerry, but, oh my god. I mean, we, we talked about how the explosion effect on the face, where we turned into blackface, because we didn't have any context for vaudeville. We didn't know what that was. But we sure as shit knew what it was when the birdbath landed upside down on Tom's, Tom's head and he, he did the Chinaman walk. Yeah. Do, 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 do. I'm like, oh man. That, that's that's the Hoy Carlo yeah. theme from Super Punch Out, Neil. Well, I <laughs> I I mean, the thing is, this is some even like the later entries in in the Saturday morning era of, of my era were not terrible. Like uh, like Warner Brothers in the in the late '90s tried some things that. We're not that good, you know. You know, some things I think were bombs. Like hysteria was a bomb. Oh yeah, hysteria was. Um, hysteria may, might have been a product of the FCC regulation. I think. I I'm pretty sure it was yeah. because it was an educational cartoon. Yeah, and it was kind of ham-fisted. Even though they tried to insert comedy into it. But uh, one one entry that was actually way better than I expected was uh, was the Bugs Bunny and Tweety Mysteries. No, 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 no. The, the, the Sylvester and, Tweet, and Tweety Mysteries. 
because here's a show with a premise that like is terrible, but the writers are like, this is a terrible premise. We don't care. Mm -hmm. We're stuck with it. So we're going to do the best we can with it. It's what the network wants. Why bother to explain? But what I loved was at the, at the beginning of every episode, there's like this murder or a theft or something. And, and, the and they're like we had to call the greatest detective in the world and and they actually would have like an animated version of of of, of, of Clouseau or Columbo or something. Only one truth prevails. And, and and he'll be like, oh, I'm gonna stay out of this. And it's like, okay, I guess we gotta call Granny. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, the, the the detectives they referenced in those open in those cold openings were like older television detectives that no one. That's a child would know. So it was like the kind of jokes I like are ones that reference like older television that the audience shouldn't know. You know what yeah, I mean? Two layers of comedy. Yes. References on their own are not jokes, but when it's like, as long as you're doing humor already and you just kind of insert that sort of one percent joke in there, that's fine. Yeah. Well, seeing an anime version of Columbo saying I'm going to step this one out, it was was funny enough to me because <laughs> when I was growing up, my dad always loved watching the Columbo movies. So I knew who Columbo was. That's awesome. <laughs> Columbo was this guy who was this clueless detective that found out who's, which guy was the most guilty, and he just bugged them a lot. <laughs> That's what I knew about Columbo. <laughs> he was annoying. Yes. What? You, you, don't, you didn't see it the same way? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen any Columbo, so I don't really have any nostalgia uh. for it. Ah. Well, that's all I got on Columbo. So. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe News, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding kind of sometimes chuck makes fun of himself right and we okay seriously this is just getting ridiculous now it's what's on joe mind every week on the geek cast radio network inside pulse.com stitcher smart radio and itunes download and listen today i suppose i still can't say something about transformers can i good no what about sports that sounds good that's all right Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. And now back to the show. But I do have some nostalgia for the Saturday morning block, and yeah, we we know it's uh we know it's a uh, it's a buggy whip, but we're still sad to see it go. And if we really need, we can set up a queue on one of these streaming sites and watch them on Saturday morning if we really need to. 
Yes. Although the specialness is gone because you don't have the cereal commercials anymore and you don't. Breakfast is ruined. Yeah, breakfast is ruined. <laughs> Throw the table over. <laughs> Fuck this. Oh, boy. Where's the cookie cop? Where's all the toy commercials? This isn't like my childhood at all. <laughs> still, it's uh, it's still sad to see it go. Yeah. And like I said, it's, uh, you know, the later entries might not be as good. I mean, the thing is this is there came a point when imports were covering up all, all the American stuff. And nothing wrong with imports. I love anime, but... Saturday morning was, was supposed to be like our big parade, you know? It was our big Macy's Day parade every week of, of cartoons. And the less and less American stuff you saw in it every year, it just felt like, I don't know, it, it just sort of felt like the, the part of town you moved in just sort of changed overnight, you know? Yeah, well, not only was, you know, overseas animation taking over, it, it seemed like the budget for... For uh, first-run Saturday morning cartoons, were just it's just bottoming out because after a while, even the uh, the overseas animation was starting to really degrade. I mean, um, some of the by by the early '90s, some of the stuff that they'd have on like NBC Saturday morning was looking really ragged. Like the God, the Super Mario Brothers and and uh, Captain N cartoon was just. Oh, uh, it was horrible. Remember the third season of, of Captain N? How how bad it was in comparison to the first two seasons. I mean, I, I try to block it out. I mean, anytime someone mentions Captain, then I just picture a big fat twenty-year-old I mean, guy. Something really happened to the to the budget of animation. Like they couldn't even do it overseas anymore. It was it was just awful. And I think that's part of what caused NBC to be the first one to go. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> We're not going to show this shit anymore, and I think I think Smurfs Smurfs was already like on its last leg if it wasn't already gone. They're like we're we're showing Alf Tales and and Captain N. There's something wrong here. <laughs> Captain N. Did, didn't Captain N run all the way to the introduction of the SNES? It did, and I love that that the second season they brought in Game Boy, which is like. Orbity and Scrappy thrown like in one character, and in that season they barely use that character. They're like, this character is shit. We're not going to use this. And Frank Welker maybe showed up twice for a paycheck, and that was it. I think they did just have him show up once, but they just looped all the. Yeah, it's like just just say a bunch of annoying things, and we'll we'll give you a big check. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds fair enough to me. Yeah. I mean that's. Uh... I don't know what else to say. I mean, the thing is, you just sort of get this feeling of the true feeling of passage of time now. Saturday mornings, you know, Saturday morning is gone. Uh, yeah. Just stay in bed, I guess. Yep. And just look at the ceiling like there's something wrong with this. Something's wrong. <laughs> Something's missing from my life. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it all go wrong? But, you know, this is just how stuff... Uh, progresses you know it's um things change people change cartoons change it's but neil's right is if you you know it's all on streaming now if you feel 
nostalgic enough, you can just grab it on streaming. And you know, online, you can still find, you can even find the episodes of uh, Bugs Bunny with the blackface joke still. Yeah, and now with the with the um, the warning that they put at the beginning of the cartoons now, where they're they're like, there are racist jokes in the in these cartoons. They were wrong. They're wrong now, just as they were wrong then. And I'm like, way to throw your your classic directors under the bus. Now I understand, but it's like it's not. It, it, no, what really irritates me about that is that they're putting it out there to be consumed. They know who's gonna watch it. They're they're kind of like, yeah, I know that you're gonna laugh at the blackface joke, but you're a scumbag. But here it is anyway, and we're gonna throw a commercial on it so we can at least make money. <laughs> it's it's kind of the two faced. You know, we're gonna wash our hands of this, but we know what you're doing. Yes. And the thing is, it's not like a bad, you know, it's 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 not a bad cartoon because there's a blackface gag at the end. It's just a cartoon. Cartoons can't hurt people. Yeah, and you really shouldn't uh, erase history. I mean, I understand why they would do it in our era, just because of how weird it was at the end of that one uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon. You know, one where... Uh, I wish I weren't Dixie. Yeah, whereas I never really understood why the cartoon cut away. And then I finally saw the full cartoon. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that those are preserved just because I think erasing history is just as bad as like the just as bad, if not worse, than the fact that the joke exists in the first place. Absolutely. Y- yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't erase history. You shouldn't, you know, uh, you shouldn't pretend that OJ was in uh, was in the Naked Gun Naked Gun films and you shouldn't pretend that Chris Benoit didn't exist. You know, you should acknowledge that history is what it is, and you know, we could talk. What are you talking about? It was. What are you talking about? It was Don Cheadle that was in Naked Gun. Yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm still holding out for that. You know, if they want to make an alternate (laughs) cut, use, use ILM and to insert Don Cheadle in place of uh, OJ, that'd be fine. Just, just keep the OJ version, just because, you know. Give us our original cut of Star Wars. (laughs) Where, where Han shot. Not first. He just shot. Yeah. I mean, Greedo... Greedo never fired. Fuck you for saying Han or Greedo shot first or Han shot first. That's not even that's not even an argument. Han shot. There is no second shot. Those those movies look so stupid when because what what Han does in the newer version is he he kind of dodges the laser. I'm like, you don't dodge a fucking laser. It, no, his neck sort of like digitally like yeah. They like make he's, your... he's, he's he's doing the walk like an Egyptian dance. He, he doesn't. Hair. He doesn't even react to it, really. He just kind of does. It, it looks his, his, okay. His neck, his, he's doing he's doing the what is love dance. Yeah, it looks. It doesn't look like unnatural or anything. It just looks stupid because he's he's dodging a gunshot. It doesn't even matter that it's a laser. You don't dodge a bullet or any sort of projectile weapon. If it's fired at your face, you're gonna get hit at that range. But anyway. I mean, the whole point of that is to show that uh, Han Solo is this ruthless, ruthless guy that that he's a scoundrel. Yeah. Because yeah. then he has a character arc where he becomes a better person by coming back to save them. Yeah, George Lucas. <laughs> like I, I, I wanted him to be redeemable. I have a turkey neck shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of like it's sort of like Steven Spielberg replacing the guns the FBI guys had. Yeah, but he learned. <laughs> He learned from that. He's like, I should never have done that. <laughs> Did he really learn? He t- he re- replaced the. Uh... Has he ever re-released that that 
alternate cut? I don't think he has. I think the most recent release has been the original. He also changed the terrorist to hippie. Okay. Because uh, what's his name's brother dressed like a terrorist in the for Halloween. Ah, uh, okay. And, but they changed it to hippie in the dialogue. I mean, the guts, the walkie-talkies thing was a bit much. That was a bit much. But like I said, the most re- recent releases are the original cut. Huh. So. Whereas George Lucas was like, I'm never going to release the, the original cuts again. Oh, here's this bastardized version of the uh, of the uh, Laserdisc disc version, but you're never going to get a real uh, a real DVD print of this. I have a turkey neck. <laughs> I got that's his reasoning for everything. I have a turkey neck, you see, and that's why I'm stupid. You remember that that, gobble, gobble. that diner owner that has a turkey neck? <laughs> I love that that uh, red letter media just puts them side by side for no reason. <laughs> it's just like, oh, by the way, I have a turkey up, neck. Put this up on the screen. <laughs> Here's George Lucas. I I'm George Lucas, and I have a stamp. I, I approve this character design. Stamp, stamp, stamp. I mean, the thing is, the whole, the whole. Uh, I mean, I think it got a point when, 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 when you say the prequels aren't really movies; they're just they don't even have stories; they're just things that happen. They're just a series of events. They are. They aren't even movies. They aren't even stories. They aren't even. Like, With characters that are in no way likable, you have. Stupid princess slash senator, and you have uh, the megalomaniacal brat who just whines how he's being held back by his somewhat logical mentor. And the print, the elected queen slash princess slash idiot senator, elected queen senator princess. It's just like number one, a queen elected queen, really? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. That- I know it seems like we're splitting hairs here, but I'm pretty sure that a queen is defined by nepotism. (laughs) Yes. So it's like, how does this even work? But the one scene that just made me so angry was when it's the scene in the... uh, Younglings? No, not not even the younglings. We're talking about episode two here, where they're they're in that room where you... that would eventually belong to Luke, and... He's just ranting about how he killed the sand people. He's like, I killed them all. I slaughtered them like animals. And he's like, he's like going on and on. He's just ranting about how uh, he's going to be the most powerful Jedi and he's going to make things right. He's going to do it all by himself. And then, and then Padme, the fucking idiot comes over and he's, and she's like, uh, to be angry as human. I'm like, come on. That's not angry. I mean, uh... he, he just went on a murderous rampage and then she comforts him. I'm like, what like I where are you feminists is... now? <laughs> where are you? You're complaining about video games. What about the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> what I love is is the uh, compilation video that we talked about on the show previously, where someone took uh, the Plinkett's review and like mashed them up to Doug Walker's ten best things about the prequels. And pretty much everything Doug says is invalidated by the end of the video. <laughs> because what's really funny is is uh, Doug talks about how he really liked this one scene where Padme and Anakin talk about being pregnant. And Doug shows the scene and talks about why he thinks this is a believable scene about two believable characters, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then immediately cuts to Plinkett, showing the exact same fucking scene, same dialogue, same everything. Talk about how it's such a lifeless, dry, sterile scene. It's like, wow, this is hilarious to me because it's like they didn't even watch the same movie. Because the thing is this, is you, you can always hear two people like watch a movie and have two wildly different interpretations of it. But this is like, I mean, when you show the scene, it's like, Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, Plinkett's right, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's I, I've had this happen to me before too. It's a, a good example. Of this is the infamous uh, moment that happened when I was setting up my booth at Dallas StripCon a couple of years ago. Neil knows this story already. I'm just going to tell it one more time, and I'm going to retire it. But uh, this was a couple of uh, weeks after I did this impromptu uh, verbal tirade about the first amazing spider-man movie being a piece of shit and so i was sitting on my booth at dallas strip con you know my friend peter was there with me because i needed someone to man the booth walls at at panels and uh, i'll say in my booth i was just saying oh yeah i just set it up right there on that table Let, let's get the banner up and all that and I, you know all of a sudden across the room i heard some, this guy yelling at me I know that voice. Ben, oh my god, you are wrong about Amazing Spider-Man. And it was Ray and Romano. Fezworks. He, well, it was Kermit the Frog. It was Fezworks running across the whole damn empty area because we were the first ones there to set up and I didn't even know he was there. And he was screaming at me about how I was wrong about Amazing Spider-Man. And the thing is this is I know this sounds like some sort of weird uh, thing that internet reviewers and commentators just go through of you show up at a convention and all of a sudden some guy shows up that's also an internet commentator or reviewer or podcast or something and they challenge you to something. It's like – but to me it was very surreal because like I'm not a member of any sort of weird circle jerk thing. So it's like I wasn't expecting this weird like verbal battle royale kind of bullshit thing. I mean I, I didn't go to Dallas StripCon for – you know, for some weird fight scene in a in a conference room or anything. So I was like, I was like, what the hell is going on here? It was surreal for me, and and I didn't know how to handle it until and, and, and other than telling Fess he was wrong. I, I mean, deal. What would you think? You know, you, you know. Let's say you're at a, a convention hall and you're setting up a table, and all of a sudden some weird Kermity voice yells across the whole convention hall, "You're wrong!" and charges at you like it's a like a Channel awful video. No, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd just challenge him to an ice bucket or something. <laughs> Bass. Go overboard and kill himself. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go to the hospital after that. For those of you who don't know about this, Bess took the ice bucket challenge four times in a row on the same it, video. It's not only that, no one challenged him to it. <laughs> I mean, he was he was in the shit by the second bucket. I'm like, I, I'm having a hard time watching this. He's gonna kill himself. <laughs> yeah, the thing is this is he interpreted well, I can't the rules. Turn away. He interpreted the rules as every bucket of ice water allows you three challenges. Which it doesn't. And so he thought he would do four buckets that way he could like stack up twelve challenges. No, he only did nine challenges and the the fourth one was a bonus one. The fourth one was no reason at all. Just here's another ice bucket over my head. Yeah, and, and the thing is this, is he didn't even say if he donated money or not. So no one challenged him, so he went in and did it. Didn't even say if he donated money to the cost or not. And 
almost put himself in the hospital. <laughs> it's you, you know, I, Neil, I you, mean it. It is hard to watch. You, you know what, Neil? You're right. It's 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 kind of it's it's kind of funny that you know if if that ever happened, to you, you'd probably would challenge the ice bucket challenge again. Right. And, I, I want to see you dump a bucket of ice water over your head again. Like, oh shit! <laughs> I gotta go do it, and then he'd walk off. Like, like I said, to me, it was a very surreal experience and not one I want to repeat because cause I'm not an internet schtick kind of guy. I, I have my opinions. I say them, and sometimes I like to argue with them, but I don't want like have some weirdo running towards me at a convention hall being like challenging me and stuff like that. that that's just weird. I, I mean, I was out, I was half expecting him to say, I got a camera right here. Let's set up a, let's set up a, a, a fight video or something because that was when Fest was – starting to do that shit. I was like, no, no, no. If he asked me, I would have said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that shit. He'd probably ask you if you could do like a split screen in case he wanted to have, uh, uh, the mecha version of himself show up or, <laughs> or the evil version or Dr. Fess say no. Yeah. Dr. Fess say no. <laughs> mecha Fess. Yes. Fess. Lord knows he probably has a character like that now. He has the, that stupid blue jacket, fedora. <laughs> Actually, he'd wear a Stetson. Uh, oh, Fess and the Stetson. Yes, and he gets his powers from giant cheeseburgers. That is, you know, I photoshopped that, and that was still really disgusting. <laughs> I mean, that was the... I couldn't believe I found that picture. It was like the most disgusting picture of a burger I've ever seen. I know. I love it. It's It was one of the weirdest moments for me, too, because it was just not what I expected. I just, like I said, I just thought I'd show up, I'd have my table, people would come by, I'd give them three comic books and talk to them about the show. I did get to sit next to a very cool person. Oh, yeah. So that, that was, awesome. yes. So, so it wasn't all bad. You got to sit next to Roy Fokker. Yes, I did. That was awesome. You told me the guy's name. I'm like, Roy Fokker? <laughs> it, it pays to, to have tables at conventions, Neil. That's true. I mean, but but I guess we have to go back to the point about, you know, a little piece of nostalgia sort of died today, and we're sad. And, Yeah. I, I don't know what more we can add to that other than it's just the passage of time to everything. There is a season under heaven. Yes. <laughs> Too much, Neil? Yeah. Oh, come on. It's a great song. Do you know the song? I think so. Uh, to everything, turn, turn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. See, when you just when you just recite the lyrics dry, it's, it's sometimes it's very hard to figure out what song that is. There's there's some there's some podcast it good job brain where they have like a robot a robot voice that will recite the lyrics of songs and it's surprisingly very difficult to figure out what song he's doing. Uh that reminds me um the Fine Brothers did a video recently where they had teenagers read the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody. Mhm. And amazing lots of teenagers knew the song. A few did not. Cuz I I know I think you could tell what Bohemian Rhapsody is by the lyrics. Yeah. It's actually really funny because someone thought it was like a grunge 
song. Oh God! Did, did was that person executed? No. They should have been. Well, it was really funny. It was when they had the they they did the same thing with "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and no one knew it was a Nirvana song because "Argle Bargle" with marbles in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that song, even if you even if you could read the lyrics, you wouldn't you wouldn't match up with the original song because you never could understand what he was saying. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's so that. So that's why I thought that was funny. The best part, the the best one was where they had them read the lyrics to Gangnam Style translated to English. Oh my god! And no one knew what it was, which I thought that was was amazing, because it's Gangnam Style. I mean, I like Gangnam Style, but it's the uh, but the uh, best one was definitely Bohemian because I was like. There's like two kids that don't know this is Bohemian Rhapsody. Are you serious? I, I mean, when they got to uh, you know, you know, let me do the fandango, I was like, you should know what that is by now. I mean, am I right or am I wrong? You're, you're right because like some of the lyrics are so specific to that song. It's like, oh, that gobbledygook. It's it's uh, it's that song. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. Let me go. And if you go, it's like yeah. even without just reading that, you should know what that song is. See, my fear is they would get to Mama Mia, Mama Mia, and they'd be like, is this Ava? At which point I would immediately punch a child in the face. <laughs> Any child? Any child. Uh, but ho- hopefully that one. Just because yeah. you should not mix, ever mix up Queen with Ava. <laughs> uh, I mean, the whole part of Mama just sh- sh- you know, shot a man. Yeah. Put a gun against his head. Yeah. Even the thing is, this is I was actually really impressed with some kids knew what it was at that point because like, oh, they know they they know Queen. That's good. But like, there were these two kids that didn't know that was Queen. They were they were like holdouts that were just. See, I'm trying to figure out if I'm more disappointed in that or the kids who lost the glass show. Because <laughs> that was just painful to watch. I'm like. Come on. I know that video games nowadays hold your hand, but come on. <laughs> Actually, my favorite one was uh, the kids that played with Skip It. Did you see that? <laughs> I did not see that. So they did had a Kids React to video where they showed kids Skip It, which is this toy from the 90s with a very 80s commercial. Yeah. Where it Skip It is basically this ball that you like have a have like this strand of plastic with a loop it's, that you put your other foot in yeah it's 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 a stick where there's a there's a hoop on one end and a ball on the other you put your foot through through the hoop and then you swing it around and you you jump over it with your other leg yeah something like that yes skip it skip it that and pogo ball i'm just like how is even when i was a kid i was like how is this not a lawsuit waiting to happen <laughs> especially pogo ball i mean that that was just like this is, this is fucking dangerous. And then finally, what was it? The moon shoes that came out where, like, kids started getting hurt, and they're they're just like, yeah, we gotta take this off the market. But but skip it actually is still on the market. Yeah, I don't. It's like, I mean, I guess it it's I guess it's safer than pogo ball, but still, it's it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna stick to my video games. At least they're not gonna hurt me. I mean, that's the commercial that was on on Saturday mornings. It was. I remember it. I remember. That song is just burned into my head. Ain't no kids down gather around. Yeah. 
I, I what's really funny is when they show the commercial to these modern kids and they're like, "What the hell is this?" It's shit. That's what it is. <laughs> and then they had, and then the kids tried to to play with Skip it and they like failed badly. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. It's like it's like when you show kids an Atari Twenty Six Hundred and they just kind of look at you and, and I'm like, uh, "No, go ahead, go ahead, insult it. I don't care. I won't be offended. I know it's shit." <laughs> Again, angry letters my way. All right. Well, um. We're going to wrap this up, and then right after the show, I'm going to have Neil watch this Kids React video. Okay. And, but uh, that's uh, that's pretty much the gist of it. Uh, Saturday morning, we salute you. And we're saying goodnight. For those about to rock, we salute you. <laughs> Great song. So other than being a handsome guy, let's analyze what Anakin did to win over Padme. One, when Anakin first meets Padme, she's like, oh, hello. And then she drops an unintentional Freudian phallic reference. My goodness, you've grown. When? Good looks. <laughs> then the very first thing that comes out of Anakin's mouth is a very awkward and inappropriately placed compliment. So have you. Grown more beautiful, I mean. Inappropriate compliment. She smiles lovingly and dismisses it as nerves. Women don't mind an initial nervousness from a guy. It's complimentary and cute to them. But it gets old real fast. Assertiveness needs to take over quickly. But too much assertiveness and arguing with your boss to impress her comes off as a pathetic and desperate attempt for attention. Inappropriate assertiveness. Next. Women like when you ask them questions about things. They like to talk about themselves a lot and don't really care what you have to say. For example, in this next scene, Padme mentions how she's worked for a year on legislation to oppose the Military Creation Act, or something. I haven't worked for a year to defeat the Military Creation Act. Even if you could care less about this shit, you just pretend like you do. You can say, well that sounds interesting, tell me about this piece of legislation. Then she'll start running her mouth, and you could think about sex while she's talking. Occasionally you should nod, and always be prepared with some follow-up questions. Instead, Anakin misses this very obvious lead and immediately starts talking about himself and his Jedi stuff. I am truly thankful to be his apprentice. Talking too much about yourself and your job. She doesn't care. Then it gets worse. He starts bitching and complaining about his job and his boss. Almost to where it seems like he's gonna start crying. He's overly critical. He never listens. He, he doesn't understand. Keep in mind that this it's is only fair. like their second scene together. I can only imagine what she's thinking. Holy shit, this guy is a fucking annoying whiner. I really can't see myself with him. If he's bitching about this, imagine how he'll act when I want him to go see Wicked with me. And then... Creepy sex looks. And if a woman ever says you're making me uncomfortable... It makes me feel uncomfortable. It's usually not a good sign. Unless she's into that sort of thing. So now I guess they go to Naboo. Don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the council. Hey man, go ask the council first, because I'm sure they'll just agree to whatever. So it's cool. So they're off on their romantic Italian vacation. It's a girl who's under threat of assassination, and a guy whose training was prophesied to bring grave danger. And they're sending them off together, alone. Why? And yet again, the two most logical, clear-minded guys aren't going along and they just stand there and watch it happen. Again, it's like poetry, so if they rhyme. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they even place bets on who's gonna make the first move. 
I'd be more concerned about her doing something. Yeah, this guy knows what's up. So when they're on the transport ship, Padme does a little feeler to see if Anakin and her can fuck in the bathroom. Are you allowed to laugh? Thought that was forbidden for a Jedi. Anakin responds with an earnest yet clumsy response about a loophole in the Jedi doctrine about love. This kind of pleases her, so we'll give him a point. Finally, they arrive at the most romantic city in the universe, and Anakin scores a few points early on, carrying her luggage. I was relieved when my two terms were up, but when the Queen asked me to serve as Listening to her prattle on about herself. For a few minutes, it seems like he's learning. But then it goes back to being a prick. But I was thinking... Hold on a minute. Excuse me. Interrupting. Excuse me. Losing temper. Sorry, my lady. Forced apology. Then for no reason they take a ride on a Venetian gondola to a romantic location. But did you ever notice how this is like a space gondola? Like it has the same yellow and silver design elements that the Naboo fighters have? Like everything else has this old world charm to it, but the gondola. I mean, can you squeeze any more romantic cliches into this movie? Oh wait, you can. They could have stuck in the Nabooful Tower in the background and had them served wine by a waiter in a beret. We oui, oui, Padme. Can I take you out to the and give you a and and by the way, what in the hell is she wearing? I mean, really. She's kind of just asking for this guy to um, use the force, isn't she? I mean, she might as well just show him where the pinball machine is. So then he stammers on trying to make some kind of analogy about sand. It's coarse, and rough, and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Which could be the dumbest line ever in movie history. And then she kisses him. And it's like... No. Now go back to looking at my extremely revealing and sexy outfit, you dumb idiot. So their next date is at the waterfall. Anakin tries to discuss politics and admits he supports a fascist dictatorship. Later that night, in a romantic fireside setting, Padme is changed into a sexy S&M outfit and teases this guy even more. Then he starts crying. The closer I get to you, the worse it gets. Then he starts begging for sex. I will do anything that you ask. But she still tells him no because she's a senator? I'm a senator. Let the guy get his rocks off! Next, Anakin murders women and children, brings a corpse home, and goes on a psychotic, megalomaniacal rant. But she have to die. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I will even learn to stop people from dying. He's jealous. I killed them. They're dead. And the children, too. And I slaughtered them like animals. To be angry is to be human. And then, even though Anakin's strikes far outweigh his successes, she still marries the guy after knowing him for only like three days. You know what? I take it all back. I take back every piece of criticism I ever said about the guy. George Lucas, I present you with the Totally and Completely Understands Women Trophy. You've earned it, my friend. You've earned it. <laughs>